All right, friends, it's hoop ball promo time. This is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league all right friends it's hoop ball promo time this is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league the following is a hoop ball presentation This one's going to be a doozy. Thank you all for tuning in. It is February 5th, 2020. I am your host, Alan Srokey, and this is the Box Score Breakdown, a hoopball.com and Hawaiian Isles Code of Coffee presentation. Hawaiian Isles, the title sponsor of this podcast and all podcasts on the Hoopball Network. You can find them on their website, hawaiianisles.com. You can look them up on Amazon by searching in Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. And of course, you could find them on Twitter at H-I Kona Coffee. That is H-I-K-O-N-A Coffee. Hawaiian Isles, get yourself a cup today. As you guys may be able to tell, it is just me on this podcast tonight. Our regular co-host, Kurt Beach, the captain. He is taking a temporary leave of absence from the show. He should be back sometime in March. And until then, it's it's going to be me primarily. 
I think I'm going to be doing these solo every Wednesday night. I might have a guest pop in here and there, but for the most part, this is what's going to be the, the case moving forward. And <laughs> what a great night for me to, to get solo duties. The, the eve of the trade deadline, so much news to, to talk about, and it really does create a sort of a complicated situation here for the show. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the box score breakdown, this is obviously a podcast where we break down box scores for the NBA on a night-to-night basis. The general gist is that we, we go through these box scores, we give you fantasy analysis based off of, you know, trends of players performing well lately, players who are slumping, uh, taking a look at minutes and rotations and how certain guys are interacting with one another. And, you know, with the trade deadline tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern time, there's a good chance that a lot of what I, you know, I could talk about half of these teams and those the analysis I provide could be completely moot if there's trades that just move all these guys around. Shifting all sorts of different players out or into different positions. So I'm going to do my best tonight. And I'm going to try and do... Uh, I'm trying to add a little fun twist to it. I have been working on a little list here, my trade deadline wish list. This is, uh, with every team, I'm going to give my analysis. I'm going to try and stick to the players that I assume will probably be there for the long haul. Try and stick to analysis that's probably going to be trans, that will probably be able to uh, overcome the, the chaos of the trade deadline. And also just give you guys, I don't know, we can have some fun with this one. There are some teams out there who I'd love to see make a deal. There are some teams I'd love to see not make a deal. There's some teams I don't really care what they do because they're boring fantasy teams. And, you know, it'd probably be better if yeah, there's just nothing there. And then there's some goofy ones in there, too, particularly about my own team, the Atlanta Hawks. We'll get to that when we get to it. Um, I guess without bearing the lead, we have uh, two trades that have actually happened tonight as the games have gone on. One of which is very complicated and unclear. The other is pretty straightforward. The, the Atlanta Hawks and the Sacramento Kings completed a trade to send Dwayne Dedman back to Atlanta, where he played the last two seasons before this one uh, in Atlanta, as well as two second round draft picks. While Atlanta sends Alex Lynn and Jabari Parker to Sacramento. The other trade, obviously, is Andre Iguodala being shipped off to Miami, Justice Winslow being shipped off to Memphis. And as of this recording, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that the Oklahoma City Thunder are also going to be getting involved with Danilo Gallinari heading to Miami. So that's going to create a whole slew of different things for, for the Heat. Uh, that news literally came across within minutes of me starting this recording. So already my analysis for what I had prepared for you guys for the Heat is going to be a little different. So we'll, we'll see how I do once we get to that point. So, you know, without further ado, by the way, this is a – I will be probably – breaking news if there's any that comes on during the podcast. So please forgive me if there's a pause or two here and there when I check my phone. I've got uh, Wojnarowski and Shams Sharani of The Athletic notified to my phone, so I'll be able to give you guys the lowdown as soon as something happens. Okay, that's enough intro here. Let's get going. We have a lot to get into, and we're going to start with the first game of the night, the Phoenix Suns falling to the Detroit Pistons. Pistons taking that one, 116-108. to 108. We will start in Phoenix Kelly Oubre leading the charge offensively with 30 points on 11 of 19 shooting. Five rebounds, two assists, no defensive stats, but no turnovers, and five three-pointers in 42 minutes. Uh, DeAndre Ayton also played very well, 26 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, four blocks, 12 of 18 shooting from the floor. Uh, 
both Ubre and Aiton have been rolling lately. They have been fantastic values uh, when they play. Ubre in particular has been such a nice surprise on the season, and I'm going to circle back to him in a little bit here. The guy we should talk about first, uh, oh, and how could we forget Devin Booker? They've got three guys who are very consistent. Booker, I just snubbed him from that conversation like he got snubbed from the All-Star team. 22 points, four rebounds, seven assists on the night with two three-pointers, eight of 16 shooting, and four or five from the free throw line. He's also been a very stable fantasy asset this year with a surprising uptick in field goal percentage. But uh, the first guy I think we need to talk about right now is Ricky Rubio, who has just been in a complete and utter slump over his last nine to ten ball games. Um, Rubio is, uh, in this game, he only scored four points on one of five shooting, uh, 11 assists, four rebounds, six turnovers. Uh, It's... it's (laughs) It's been rough going for Rubio um, as of uh, lately, and that's um, in large part due to uh, what's he's been dealing with an ankle injury here and there. He's been sort of floating in and out of the lineup. He he's been outside the top 200 over his last 10 set uh, 10 games, and it's probably going to take him to get rested to really get back on track. Maybe the All Star break can help him out with that. I don't think he's playing healthy, even though he's back in this game and he's just kind of burning you. He's at least being able to get you those assists right now, but man, it is tough, tough stuff to rely on him when he's just, and he's playing, he's just bad right now. Uh, the other guy worth talking about is McCall Bridges. Uh, also saw 42 minutes in the starting lineup, filling in for Dario Saric, who missed his third straight game with a left ankle injury. Uh, Bridges, uh, not as many defensive stats as you would have hoped, but he still played well. 13 points, five of nine shooting from the floor, three three-pointers, Six rebounds, four assists, a block shot, and three turnovers. This was a very, very tight rotation for Phoenix tonight. They only had three guys coming off the bench, uh, and neither of them got more than 13 minutes. So you saw four of the five starters, uh, the fifth one being Rubio, but four of the five playing 40 minutes in this one. So Phoenix is is definitely hurting. They, they, They need some bodies back, and it's just... Their, their ugly season gets uglier. Well, why don't we just go ahead to the first of my trade wish list items on this one. For Phoenix, my wish is for them to get to get things figured out. Don't trade Kelly Oubre. Uh, we saw a report from Mark Stein earlier today that said that they're fielding phone calls about Oubre. And, and look, that could mean a couple of different things. It's pretty ambiguous language. It could mean that Phoenix is listening to calls. Teams are inquiring about uh, Ubre, and they're just doing due diligence and saying, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll take a listen. We'll, we'll see what's going on. We'll see what you have to offer. And then the, the obviously bad interpretation of that would be that they are actively looking for trades, which I hope they're not doing because Ubre has been a star in Phoenix. Not like an all-star, but a fantasy star for sure. He, he's been a top 50 player in 9-cat on the season. He, the, the, third, the, the minutes and the shot attempts, uh, 34 minutes – uh, about 15 shots per game. It's, it's going to be really tough for me to imagine him replicating that on any other team. He's just, I think he's beloved by the fan base from everything I can tell. He's a gamer. He He's super athletic. It's really fun to watch. I can't understand why you would trade him unless you get, I don't know. Phoenix is notorious for making really horrendous decisions. I, I, I would hope that they would be trying to get a young player and some draft picks in return and that sort of deal. But what's the point? Ubre is already a young player that you have under contract who fits what you're doing really well. Um, I, even in the best interpretation of that Mark Stein tweet that they're fielding calls, 
I can respect doing due diligence, but come on, guys. Please don't trade Kelly Oubre. Wish number one for the trade deadline. Let's move on over to the Detroit Pistons, who have been in the trade new rumors. They've had trade rumors going on for months now. Um, Detroit, obviously, Andre Drummond has been one of the bigger names on the market. And you could consider tonight his final impression to those who may or may not be interested in his services. He blew up for 31 points, 19 rebounds, four assists, three steals, three turnovers on 14 of 19 shooting from the floor. One of his best games in a while because he, he's been struggling recently, thinking he's been playing a little checked out. This game, he was very much checked in. Reggie Jackson helped, uh, helped hold up the scoring load here with 25 points on 10 of 24 shooting, five rebounds, nine assists. A steal and two turnovers with five three-pointers. He's been he, he he's been okay as a scorer. I, I think he's gotten a little more attention than necessary because of the scoring. You know how points players who score a lot of points get uh, more attention in fantasy than they deserve. Uh, Jackson is very much one of those players. Since he's returned, he's only been a top 150 player, which is pretty close to what he was last season. He's very much a shot chucker. He's not a the nine assists, he had the nine assists tonight, but he's generally not a guy who looks for his teammates. He's not my favorite kind of point guard by any means. And yeah, there are certain builds out there that he makes sense in, but he's just not really on my radar personally. One guy who sort who is on my radar is Bruce Brown, who I've been, you know, I've had a small sort of love affair with him this season. I like his fantasy game tonight. He got 33 minutes filling in for, uh, Derek Rose missing his second game with a groin injury, as well as Fee Mikhailuk, who's also missing his second game with a hip injury. So that's helping Brown get to the 33 minutes he saw tonight. Nine points on three of eight shooting to go with seven assists, a steal, and a block, uh, and one rebound. I like Brown primarily because of the defensive stat output and the assist potential that he possesses. Uh, he's definitely more of a playmaker than Reggie Jackson is. Uh, he, he's been... You know, you take a look back to this 10-game stretch back from December to mid-January that he had where he was seeing about 30 minutes a night, and he was a top 84 player in 9-cat, primarily floated by high steals numbers, one almost two a game, 4.5 assists, 4.5 rebounds, and 10 points. Shooting wasn't all that great, but the counting, staff, uh, the counting stuff was. And he, yeah, yeah, I'll just go ahead and jump to it. My... My big wish list item, my trade deadline wish item, is for Detroit Detroit to just, just get rid of Derrick Rose. Utilize the guy, the asset that you have in him. He's not helping you win games. He could be so good for a contender. And he would and his without him in the fold, he could help Bruce Brown become a legitimate fantasy player. Um I've read reports, both uh, a lot of local stuff out of Detroit that they're asking price for Rose is a lottery first-round pick. That was something I read about a week ago. Um, That's obviously ridiculous. Nobody trades lottery picks anymore unless you're getting an all-star level player. Rose is not that anymore. We saw saw the Hawks get Clint Capella last night for a a middling first-round pick in an expiring Evan Turner contract. So if if you can accomplish that, I don't see how Rose even gets close to that. That tells me that Detroit is not serious about trading Rose. It tells me that they're going to hold him past the deadline, and I think that's foolish. 
I, I've given up hope that Andre Drummond is actually going to get moved. I think that the Hawks making the move that they did last night uh, eliminated the, a big chunk of the market, even though they've been ruled out for a while now. Um, you know, Detroit's also looking for a lot for Drummond, and you could say that the Capella trade returns will really diminish his value because what does he do different? What does he do that Capella can't? I think that it's way easier to trade Rose. There's several interested suitors. He's a movable contract. You have young players at Rose's position that you could start to develop. I see no reason for a Detroit team that's going nowhere to hold on to all these veterans taking shots from guys like Bruce Brown who could really thrive. So my wish for the Detroit Pistons is to get your heads out of your new-know-whats and and, and settle for a low low first-round pick that a contender would be willing to float to you, say the Clippers, for example. To get Rose out of there. So I'm going to try and be better about my trade deadline wish list items before well, I'm going to finish the box scores. We're just going to get through the rest of this real quick. Uh, Christian Wood in 32 minutes off the bench saw 20 scored 21 points with eight rebounds and assist in a steal and seven of 14 shooting. He has been a super stash for a while because of the Andre Drummond trade rumors. It's interesting tonight that he saw the amount of minutes that he did. He, he, you have to assume that he played a lot of power forward to, with 32 minutes and Andre Drummond playing 38. Markeith Morris also uh, being out probably allows you to get to this avenue. Wood is clearly a guy who could become a monster fantasy player with the playing time. You guys all know this. You've known this for months. You hold on to him and see what happens tomorrow. Hopefully Drummond gets shipped out, and if he does, uh, Wood has mid-round potential. He could be a very, very... Good guy. You've held him this long, and you're you're just going to hold on through tomorrow. All right. Let's move on to the next game of the night, and that would be the Mad- Orlando Magic and the Boston Celtics. Boston winning this one, 116, Magic 100, as you would have expected. The The Boston Celtics, though, are, are very, very beat up right now. They are without Kimba Walker, who missed his third straight game with a knee issue. Marcus Smart missed his second straight game with a right quad issue. Daniel Tice missed this game and is reported to be missing it reported to uh, probably miss a few more moving forward with a ankle sprain and Jalen Brown towards the end of the game uh, tweaked his sore ankle though. Coach Brad Stevens seemed to be indicating that he wasn't that worried about it. So we'll wait uh, on that one. Unclear what's going to happen on that front. Uh, well, we will, we'll, we'll see uh, Jason Tatum. We'll start with him. 33 points on 11 of 24 shooting. Six of seven from the free throw line, five three-pointers, eight rebounds, five assists, three steals, and two blocks. He's on an absolute tear of late, really performing at an early round level. I think he scored 20 points or more in his last seven games. He, he's a guy who, I mean, th- this this could be, I don't think this is really a sell high. I think this is just something that I'm just, if I have him, I'm loving and I'm riding it out with. This is just what you'd hope he become, the go-to guy. And it definitely helps having all of these, particularly guys like Kimba, out of the lineup, so Tatum can really become the go-to on question number one option. Another guy who's really benefiting from Kimba being out of the lineup is Gordon Hayward, who gets to play a lot more point forward. He scored 23 points in this game with seven rebounds, seven assists, two steals, two three-pointers, 10 of 16 shooting from the field. He's been great. He's been one of, you know, he, it's funny, he's been injured on and off all season long, and now he's kind of been playing a stretch over the last two weeks where different Celtics are out with different injuries. I mean, Tatum was out for a little bit with, a, I think it was a groin issue. And every time that one of these starting Celtics is out of the lineup, Gordon Hayward gets a giant bump in usage. And he's just flashing a very intriguing 
all-around game. He's been a very, very pleasant surprise on the season, and you continue to ride that. Uh, Enos Cantor got the start with Daniel Tice out, and he didn't do much with it. Seven points on eight, in eight rebounds, two assists, a steal and a block, three of five shooting. He, obviously, he has a role on fantasy teams for those who are in need of points and rebounds, but he's not my favorite option. Um, Romeo Langford, the rookie, got a start tonight. This might have been his first start, but I, I, I would have to go check on that. Uh, he, he played 28 minutes but did very little in them. Six points, one rebound, and one block. And there's not really much to add on that. Um, the only Celtic I actually really would like to talk about here is Grant Williams, who – another rookie – he, he essentially is operating as the backup center with Tice out of the lineup and played 22 minutes, scored 13 points, had six rebounds, three three-pointers, five of six shooting from the field, a steal, and two block shots. So Grant Williams has actually been getting some decent burn over his last seven games because if you, you, know, you recall, Enos Cantor had actually been out of the lineup, I think, with a hip thing. So he he... he Different centers are out, but Grant Williams is still getting a role, and he's actually been close to a standard league value in that seven-game span. 109 in 9-cat, that's buoyed by a really high field goal percentage, very low turnovers, and a decent block rate at 1.3 a game. He's also averaging .9 steals in that span. I like this dude a lot when he was coming up in the draft. I think that he's got a very subtle game to him. He's a very good defender for his size. One of the strongest rookies in the draft class, perhaps even the strongest He's able to really bang bodies down low, even though he's not a center by you know your usual metrics. He's kind of close to a PJ Tucker build, if you want to be honest. And I don't know. He's got he's flashing a pretty fantasy friendly stat set in the early goings here. I'm not saying that you should go out and add him. I you shouldn't. But he is worth keeping an eye on. If we find out that Daniel Tice is going to be out for weeks and not you know days, there there could be some deep league appeal there for those in need of blocks and some percentages that won't kill you. So. Grant Williams is at least I'm putting the star next to his name. I'm putting him on my watch list, but that's also because I'm a big fan personally. <laughs> um, as for my trade uh, wish list item here, I don't really have any for the Celtics. Um, you, you know, I they're they're not. I, I I really like their team as is. I, I like that. I love all the how the wings operate with one another, and you know, I I was kind of hoping that they might get involved in the in the center conversation because i just from like a real life uh, nba perspective it'd be cool if they upgraded their center position maybe made a run at andre drummond or stephen adams or if he's even available miles turner but i don't really know if they want to do that i don't know who they give up in a trade in that scenario and i don't think there's any real fantasy implications from such a move so yeah, that's, that one's an easy one. There's going to be a few of those sprinkled in here because, frankly, not every team has uh, interesting trade prospects. Another one of those teams is the Orlando Magic, one of my least favorite fantasy teams and real-life teams in the NBA. We'll start with Evan Fournier, who led the scoring charge. 26 points on 8 of 15 shooting, 6 three-pointers, 4 for 4 from the free-throw line. He had 4 rebounds and an assist. He's been a pleasant surprise all year long, posting close to mid-round value. And he should. There's no reason to believe that that should stop anytime soon. Gore, Aaron Gordon had himself a very, very nice ball game in this one. He scored 23 points on seven of 15 shooting, to go with 10 rebounds, four assists, two steals, a block shot, and a three-pointer in 31 minutes played. He's been very, very not 
usable in fantasy leagues this season. He's been well outside his ADP. He's just, you know, the shooting's the shooting is horrendous. He he doesn't do enough in the defensive stat category like you think you should, like we all think he should. And he's just one of those guys who has name value that very much exceeds his actual fantasy value. Uh, elsewhere here, Nikola Vucevic had a uh, had a quiet night, 12 points on 5 of 12 shooting, one three-pointer, 10 rebounds, two assists, and a block shot. Four turnovers, he, he's obviously going to be fine. Uh, Markel Fultz, in 30 minutes, scored four points uh, on two of four shooting to go with three rebounds and five assists with three turnovers. Uh, he's really fallen off the map as a fantasy asset uh, over the last couple of months. Very little to do there. His backup played much better, Michael Carter-Williams, in 24 minutes. He scored 12 points uh, with a rebound, six assists, three steals, and two blocks, five defensive stats. Uh, You you know, he has that potential, but he'll never, ever get you that on a consistent basis. And then Terrence Ross, in 29 minutes, he scored 18 points on 16 shots, two rebounds, an assist, two steals, and a block. He has not been as good a fantasy asset this season as he was last season. And he's fairly uninteresting to me. And, uh, yeah, the, the Magic is going to be one of these teams we can just get through very easily. I don't have anything for them from my trade wish list either. I kind of hope that they – I kind of hope they get rid of Aaron Gordon. I, I've never liked his fit with this team. Granted, I, it was also because of his relationship to Jonathan Isaac and how he stifled him, but even more so. I just – I don't know. I think Aaron Gordon would be better suited in an offense that plays at a faster pace. Maybe that lets him – maybe one that lets him do a little more playmaking. I like, I still like his real life NBA game. I just, I just don't think that he's ever been in the right situation in Orlando, but that has no bearing on fantasy. So we're just going to ignore that and move on. Now the, this next game, this next game's interesting. Um, let's start with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they lost this one. Uh, they played the Brooklyn Nets, by the way. Brooklyn won 129 to 88. Golden State. A lot of trade rumors about them recently, as you all know. D'Angelo Russell in particular. Uh, there's a love affair going on between him and the Timberwolves. Uh, we're surely to believe that the Wolves are still looking to try and get him, especially with all the point guards they shipped out last night, but we'll see about that. The interesting note on the night is that Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson III were ruled out due to an impending trade. There's, there's no reports out there or any indication that these two – have a specific destination. It, uh, I think I saw something that the Warriors have multiple potential deals lined up that involve both players that uh, they're probably going to wait till tomorrow to enact. We've heard uh, as of this recording, there's no, there's no updates on them unless, uh, nope, no updates on them to this point. So yeah, that found that one interesting. With them out of the lineup, you saw more, Eric Pascal, who I guess essentially started this game at small forward. Either he did or Draymond did. I obviously did not watch this game. Uh, Eric, let's start with Pascal, who in 33 minutes in the starting lineup, scored 15 points, grabbed five boards, had two assists, a steal, and a block on six of 16 shooting, two of five from three-point range. D'Angelo Russell, the, the aforementioned bell of the ball, he returned from a, uh, an absence with a quad injury. He shot 7 of 20 from the floor, missed all of his eight three-point attempts. He scored 17 points, three rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block shot. Damian Lee also uh, Damian Lee uh, saw some extended run without Burks. He, he still started as he had been previously. He only shot 2 of 10 from the floor, 
Seven points, four rebounds and assists, and not much else. He is not a guy that I'm very interested in moving forward. Um, he had a nice run at a certain point, and he's he had a nice run towards the end of December where he was posting like seven, I think seventh round value. Fell off for a while. He's been making a small comeback recently, but I I'm just I'm not really buying much into that. You can you can leave him on the wire. Uh, let's see. Marquise Chris is a guy who is actually much more interesting. He has been the starting center ever since Willie Cauley-Stein was shipped out of town, and he continues to be a very nice source of blocks. He, he only shot three of ten from the floor in this one and route to eight points, but he did grab seven rebounds, and he did block three shots and hit a three-pointer and hit his one free throw. And it made his one free throw. That's serviceable enough. He's been playing... In his, I think it's been four starts before this game, he was somewhere inside the top 80. I think that's somewhat reasonable if he actually maintains a starting role the rest of the year. Of course, that's not a guarantee because we know that the Warriors have a trade or two in the works with the Burks and Robinson news. So uh, you should definitely be keeping an eye on uh, Chris to see what the Warriors do. If he is able to survive the trade deadline and remain this team's starting center, he is a standard league guy. Leave it at that. Um, Jordan Poole, the rookie, he's the guy who really jumped into Alec Burks' uh, open minutes tonight. He, in 27 minutes, he shot the ball well. Six of six, well, I didn't shoot it that well. Six of 14 shooting in route to 16 points. Two rebounds, four assists, three steals, and a three-pointer. He is not a guy that I think will have fantasy value if a bunch of playing time opens up for him. He's very much a shot chucker. He's just going to kill your free throw percent, uh, your field goal percentage. So not interested in that one. Kevon Looney is someone who's been sort of jumping back onto the scene recently. He's played, I think, his last three games after missing a lot of time with an abdomen injury. 11 points, five rebounds, three assists, and a block shot in that 18 minutes, five of nine from the floor. It's an interesting name to keep an eye on. I remember reading the, the Rockets were interested in potentially acquiring Looney uh, before the trade went down yesterday. But we've been seeing a few reports about the Rockets float around that they might be in the market for another big uh, Looney's getting back out there and playing at the right time. He's probably someone who could sign himself in a trade moving forward, but he did play in this one. So who knows? And that's really about it. Amari, Snell, uh, Amari Spellman played a lot of minutes, but he did nothing in them and I'm not interested. So let's just move on to my trade wish list. And this is an obvious one. I, my wish for the Golden State Warriors is for them to trade D'Angelo Russell, preferably to the Timberwolves, but really just anywhere else. You need to get this guy out of Golden State. It's been killing his value. People who own him know that he has top 60 potential. That He's actually, you know, considering the lack of talent around him, he's, been, he's had a pretty good season when he plays. But we've seen plenty of times so far this year that any sort of minor tweak will keep this guy out of the lineup because the Warriors don't want to risk hurting their asset. Because that's, I mean, that's how they view Russell, honestly. He's an asset to them. They don't want to see him get himself hurt like they've seen some of their other players get hurt so far. They, they, there's a, shut, a, a shutdown potential with him. The lack of talent does make it rough, his shooting percentages rougher than they probably should be. He's just There's nothing good for him fantasy-wise being in Golden State. A trade anywhere else, even to a team as miserable as Minnesota, would make him a better guy to own, unequivocally. So... You know, I'm not. My optimism took a little bit of a blow tonight because you know the Warriors are signaling to the rest of the league, "Hey, we got these two guys and Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson. We're ready to trade them off. They're not playing, but Russell is." 
surely there's there's going to be teams talking to the Warriors right up until it hits the deadline tomorrow. But please, I, please, for, for one of my fantasy teams out there, it'd be super sweet if D'Angelo Russell could find his way somewhere else. So there, there's that one. I'm sure you all, oh, there's plenty of others out there who can probably agree with that wish list item. Let's go ahead and move on to Brooklyn, who uh, they're sort of back to normal. This, this without Kyrie Irving is we, we've we're used to the Nets without Kyrie Irving. That's sort of their normal. Uh, he's still out with that knee issue. He's set to be reevaluated probably sometime over the weekend or early next week. Karis Levert, who has sort of jumped back into the starting lineup over Garrett Temple, who he's had some two two nice ball games in a row. He scored twenty three points in this one. Eight assists, four rebounds, no defensive stats, eight of 20 shooting from the floor, and three three pointers. He's still a guy that I do not want in category leagues because of the awful percentages and high turnover rates. He had four in this game, by the way, of the turnovers. Definitely a guy that you should trust in points leagues, though. Um, and that's really about it. Nothing's changed on the Karis Levert front from the last time that I talked about him. Jared Allen only played 18 minutes, but still managed to find, grab 13 rebounds. Score four points, block a shot, and dish out an assist. He's generally a safe guy to own. I'm not quite sure why he played such little minutes tonight. Maybe it's because of the nature of the blowout. Um, DeAndre Jordan didn't play all that much either. He played 21 minutes and played pretty well on them. So I, I think I'm just going to roll with the Warriors having absolutely no answers for the, the big men in this game. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie starting in play, in, in fact, yeah, that, that's exactly what happened when you take a look at the box where none of these starters saw more than 27 minutes. That was the most that uh, played by Levert. Everyone else was basically was pretty much below that point. Spencer Dinwiddie played 24 minutes, only scored eight points with five rebounds, four assists, and a three-pointer. Joe Harris had a nice game, 17 points, nine rebounds, an assist and a steal, and two three-pointers on seven of 12 shooting. But he has been a guy that has been very uh, not fantasy-relevant this season. He's been pretty. He's been well outside standard league value for a while now, and I don't really feel confident about that changing. Not enough to pick him up by any means. He's probably. I think he's still owned at like seventy or sixty percent of fantasy leagues anyway. So I'm sure there's not many fantasy wires that he's floating around right now anyway. Torian Prince is one of the nets that I've been most interested in this season, particularly just because he's got a very nice stat fantasy game to him and. He's been, I've been monitoring interesting trends with his shooting percentages when Kyrie plays and when Kyrie doesn't. The trend being that when Kyrie's on the floor, Torian Prince is a better shooter. He gets better looks. There's less defensive pressure on him. He doesn't have to do. He doesn't have to be forced to create offensively, which is something that really hampered him a lot in Atlanta uh, for his two seasons here when he tried to do too much. He didn't shoot terribly tonight, but it still wasn't great. 12 points on 4 of 10 shooting, 1 three-pointer, 3 of 4 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds and assist, and no defensive stats. So when I was keeping track of it, when Irving was playing in, I think it was like 9 to 10 games, Prince had raised his shooting percentage all the way up to 45, which was great. He was floating at around top 80 value with those numbers because all of his other counting stats were relatively the same. Um so my hope is for him is that Irving gets back out there because I think that he's just a better player when that happens. Nothing really else to talk about here with the Nets. It's a blowout, so most of these lines are pretty moot anyway. Let's get into my trade deadline wish for them. And it's kind of this one's kind of funny. But I actually think that there's an argument to be made for it. Um, 
So I know that the Timberwolves are trying to make a play for D'Angelo Russell, but if they strike out on that, I wonder if the Nets would listen if they called about Spencer Dinwiddie. I would be very okay if the Nets decide to move on from Dinwiddie and let him go elsewhere because the experiment with him and Kyrie, they don't, they don't work well together. They're, they are two guards who love to dominate the ball. They, they love to create. They, they're both pretty hot-headed and wanting to be the leader in that respect. I know Dinwiddie really, uh, from reports I've read here and there, he's been one of the players who has not been particularly keen to Kyrie Irving's leadership. I think Dinwiddie likes being the guy. Yeah, as you saw, he was scoring, what, 25 points a game and Irving was out. He very much was the guy. These two don't work next to each other. Dinwiddie's effectively the best backup point guard in the NBA. I don't know. If you're the Timberwolves, would you be interested in trying to, if you strike out on D'Lo, would you go for Spencer? He's a guy who could create his own shot, and he's not, I mean, he's not a terrible playmaker. I think he averaged close to six or seven assists a game when he was starting. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, I, I think that I, I don't, I, it is really all, I guess, if Brooklyn is willing to trade Dinwiddie. From a fantasy perspective, I mean, I'm not really interested in Dinwiddie because he's surprisingly not that good of a fantasy player, despite those high numbers I just referenced with the scoring and the assists. His percentages are really rough. His turnovers are all over the place. He doesn't do much in the way of defensive stats. So he just he's generally outside the top 150 when he gets a lot of playing time like that, aside from a really hot stretch when he first started uh, that stretch of starting without Irving. But it would, I think, help free shots up in Brooklyn. It would, I think, Karis LeVert would sort of become the primary ball handler in that sort of scenario. Maybe more shots for Torian Prince, more playmaking duties as well. My other, this one's more obvious. I don't, I'm kind of surprised I didn't think, I'm, sorry, I'm surprised I didn't write this one down previously. I'd love it if they, and I know it won't happen either, but I'd love it if DeAndre Jordan just got shipped out of town. I know, he's Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant's buddy, but God, imagine what kind of fantasy player Jared Allen could be if DeAndre Jordan just wasn't in the way. It's just, it's the worst time sharing the league. I've said it over and over and over again. I hate what Jordan's presence does. I know there's no chance of it happening because he's sort of the package deal and getting Kyrie and KD into Brooklyn. But man, if I could have one wish, it would probably be DeAndre Jordan being shipped off elsewhere. So with that one, we will move on to our next game. We've got about six more here on the docket. Doing pretty well so far, I think. Indiana Pacers. They lost a very close one to the Toronto Raptors. Toronto winning 119 to 118. The big news on the Pacers side was Victor Oladipo stepped into the starting lineup after being a reserve in his first three games. We saw a report recently that the Pacers were prepared to raise his minutes limit from 24 to 28 which is a little ahead of schedule because initial, initially when uh, Oladipo came back, the plan was to keep him at 24 until the All-Star break. Uh, the decision to raise his minutes limit, I guess, is based off of how he's looked out there, like in terms of just movement and how he's responding to just game speed. He's not been good, though, by, by any means. He's been a bad fantasy player. Um, Oladipo, in his four games since returning from injury, has been – Three outside the top 300 in nine cats. It's a small sample size, and I'm not trying to be mean here. Of course, he's not going to be good out the gate because he's missed a year with a pretty bad injury. But he's shooting less than 25% from the floor on 13 shot attempts per game, and that'll do it. That'll do it for you. 
This was actually one of his better shooting nights. Five of 14 shooting from the floor with 13 points, two three-pointers, two rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Um, he's based, he operated as the starting shooting guard next to Malcolm Brogdon, who had a really nice ball game. 24 points on 10 of 14 shooting with four three-pointers, six rebounds, six assists, and six turnovers. He's been... He's been okay. He's been okay since Oladipo's returned. I'm not going to bother wasting time on like what their rankings are. There's a point that I'm going to make about the Pacers and their wings once I get to the rest of this box score here. In regards to Oladipo and the shots that he's taking, Demontis Sabonis, uh, he had 15 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists. A triple double for Sabonis on four of seven shooting from the floor, one three pointer, and five turnovers. Uh, he's an all-star, does all-star things. And that's what we've come to expect. An unfortunate side effect is that we've also come to expect here that Miles Turner is not the guy that we drafted. He only scored six points on six shot attempts, seven rebounds, an assist, and a steal. He still had the two blocks, which is the only thing that's pretty much salvaging his lines nowadays. Basically a seventh to eighth round player in nine category leagues. And then Jeremy Lamb in 25 minutes. He scored two of nine. He shot two of nine from the floor in route to five points, a rebound, an assist, a steal, and nothing else. Yeesh. Drew uh, Justin Holiday was the guy. By the way, I should have mentioned T.J. Warren is out. Uh, he's in concussion protocol, so that's part of why Oladipo jumped back into the starting lineup. But the guy who really benefited from uh, Warren's absence was Justin Holiday, who saw 31 minutes and shot seven of 12 from the floor, six three pointers. 22 points on with five rebounds, three assists, three steals, and a block shot. One of the best fantasy lines on the night. And he's been surprisingly he, – he's held on to a lot of his role since Oladipo's return, which has surprised me a little bit, honestly. I thought that he was a guy that would probably take a hit. Uh, his younger brother, Aaron Holiday, was, one of the, was the first guy on the chopping block who pretty much lost all of his playing time when the team was fully up to speed. Oladipo sort of just came in and siphoned his 20 minutes, and they called it a day on that one. But, you know, Justin Holiday, he's been, he's been fine. He, he still has his six shots per game. He's still uh, seeing about 27 minutes. It's interesting. The, the, the thing I'm watching in the early goings with the Oladipo return is who's losing shots first. And I've had, I was holding out optimism that Jeremy Lamb would be able to have a similar offensive role with Oladipo back in the fold, because I think that he's this team's, he's in the top six best players for this team. I think that he could have, you know, I think that there could be a role for him. And I still do if he moves to the bench and becomes the sixth man. But it's, it's hard not to notice that of all the wings in Indiana, since Oladipo's come back, like all the main wings, the, the one who's taken the most hits in terms of his shots per game has been Lamb. He, on the season, he had been averaging close to, 11 a game. I think it's 10.7. And in the four games since Oladipo has been back, he's down to 8.8. None of these other guys are losing shots like that. Justin Holiday is seeing the same amount of shots. Malcolm Brogdon seeing the same amount of shots. I'm pretty sure TJ Warren, I mean, TJ Warren has a small sample size, so can't really count, uh, really can't factor him into things. But amongst those three main guys, Lamb is the one who's losing shots right now. The minutes are still there, which is encouraging, but he's not hitting his shots. He's not doing a whole lot. And it's going to be a rough. It's going to be a rough stretch here. I think that it's fine if you move off of him in nine category leagues because I don't think he's a guy whose upside is good enough to warrant just sitting on him, hoping that he and Oladipo can figure each other out. I do still maintain optimism 
that if he becomes a six-man full-time sometime down the line, maybe this somewhere in March, he could become – he could get himself back into the standard league conversation. But we're just not there yet, and we shouldn't be operating based off of assumptions like that. So Lamb, I think, is a safe drop at this point. My trade deadline wish for the Indiana Pacers is to move Miles Turner. I it, 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 There's no way around it. Miles Turner, it, it was a me or him situation in terms of who was going to be the guy in the front court between he and Sabonis. And it's just unquestionably been Sabonis. Sabonis has, uh, Turner has no offense, uh, offensive game to rely on compared to Dem- uh, Sabonis's. He's losing out rebounds. He, he looks lost out there. He's consistently the odd man out. The block shots are still there, which is why he's useful in fantasy. But there's no real way that I can conceive Turner salvaging his season if he's still starting, uh, if he's in this sort of situation here. I think that he's sort of cemented as the player he is now. If he got traded to a situation like I mentioned earlier, like Boston, I'm not saying that the shot attempts would be coming, would be flowing in, but he would be the unquestioned big guy. The rebounds would probably come a lot easier. The minutes would probably be there in a much bigger way. Yeah, I think I, I don't think that a trade is coming for him, but it would be awesome if one did, because this is he, he's been burning a hole for a lot of fantasy teams this year, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, as long as Sabonis is the all star that he is. Moving on to our next team here is the Toronto Raptors. Scroll down here. Ooh. All right, Toronto Raptors in this one. They had a lot of big games from their starters. We'll start over with Kyle Lowry, who scored a team-high 32 points, eight rebounds, 10 assists, near triple-double for Lowry. He had two steals, three turnovers, three three-pointers on 12 of 21 shooting. Serge Ibaka, another ginormous game out of him, 30 points, seven rebounds, three assists, a steal, and three turnovers. 13 of 21 shooting and two three-pointers. Serge has just been, he's a completely different player when he's the one, the man in the middle. Marcus All obviously out dealing with the hamstring injury. And yeah, I mean, you cannot, you, you got to love what you're seeing from Ibaka right now. He's been, he's had such a strange fantasy season because when this team is fully healthy, Ibaka is not much of a standard league guy. He's very much on the fringes of it. But there's been so many injuries to so many key guys this year that he keeps getting these long, extended runs of just being the, the man in the middle, the main guy. And he's just scoring a ton and getting a ton of rebounds when he's doing that. And he's shooting the ball really well, too. So he's – I mean, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to have him for all those hot stretches in one league. And there was almost a moment where I dropped him before Gasol went out the first time. Uh, obviously, and I've held on since. It's been it's been a nice run for Ibaka here. So if you're a fantasy owner of him, you're kind of hoping for more inconsistency for this team in terms of injury. Um, elsewhere, Pascal Siakam, 7 of 18 shooting from the floor en route to 25 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, and a turnover, 1 three-pointer. And 10 of 11 from the free throw line. Siakam is back up to speed these days, and that's not much you need to know about that. OG Ananobi is completely opposite. It's fallen off the fantasy radar. He's doing nothing these days. Zero points, zero assists, zero of one shooting from the floor. 
no three-pointers. He only had three rebounds and a steal, and that's it. He's a guy who's literally impossible to own. Why did I say literally? That is not, <laughs> that's not the correct use of literally. But it may as well be. He cannot be used in any format right now. He, is, he should be on waivers everywhere. I saw a funny tweet from a Toronto Raptors beat writer who said that uh, OG tanked his trade value in the last ten day, in the, his last ten games to make sure that he stays a Raptor. Yeah, maybe he did. That'd be an awfully convenient uh, explanation and one that I'd hope for because I, I like OG. But yeah, you can't use him at all right now. Nothing really else to talk about with the Raptors aside from Terrence Davis, who continues to be the looks like he'll be the biggest benefactory of. Uh, Norman Powell's absence, who is out indefinitely with a fractured finger. I don't know which finger. Um, Davis, in 27 minutes, scored 11 points. Three rebounds, assists, and a steal, and three three-pointers. And that's about it. Raptors are, are pretty sure. Oh, and, before, and, of course, Fred Van Vliet, who's been awesome and continues to be a, a near-early-round option. Ten points, three rebounds, seven assists, three steals, two three-pointers on four of ten shooting. And that's about it. Can't say I even have any real, uh, I don't even have a trade uh, item for this team. There's nothing that's really, I think they're, <laughs> they're just fine the way they are. There's no player that I'd like to see moved elsewhere. Uh, and there's no player I'd like to free up for playing time. We've seen that Chris Boucher, who's pretty much the only interesting bench guy on this team. He, he, he's just not, he doesn't have Nick Nurse's trust to get consistent playing time. He's just, you know, he is who he is. Fun fantasy game, though. I just don't think we'll see him realize it this season. So, yeah, that's an easy one. All right. I've been waiting for this one. We're moving on to the Atlanta Hawks and the Minnesota Timberwolves, two of the four teams that were involved in last night's trade. I mentioned earlier how the Hawks acquired, reacquired, if you will, Dwayne Dedman earlier in the night uh, for Alex Lynn and Jabari Parker neither of whom played in this one. Both were out with separate injuries. Yeah, the Hawks, ugh, man. <laughs> so it, this is a team who's uh, it's hard to give much analysis to because we already know that what we're seeing out of them tonight is going to be different. We'll just, I'll go through the box score real quick on the, on the, the main points. Trey Young was tr- what does what Trey does. 38 points, 11 assists, four rebounds, a steal, and six three-pointers on 10 of 23 shooting. John Collins, 27 points. 12 rebounds, two assists, a block, 11 of 19 shooting, and two three-pointers. Those threes are going to be big for him moving forward. DeAndre, Hutton, uh, DeAndre Hunter returned from injury and scored 12 points, grabbed five boards, had two assists, a steal, and a block, and two three-pointers. The, the, the cash counters are, are nice to see from him. They have been far more inconsistent than I would have liked. Damian Jones got the start at center, but that's not going to last. 14 points, eight rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block shot. And then, of course, Kevin Herter played 37 minutes. He scored 11 points on 5 of 10 shooting, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, and a 3-pointer. <clears throat> Obviously, Clint Capella is going to be arriving sooner than later, as will Dwayne Dedman, but not really interested in what he's going to bring to the table. Clint Capella is going to set a slot in the starting center role, and if I were to guess... And I have. I put this out there on Twitter. You can follow me at Alan Sorokhi, A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I. I put out there that Clint Capella is a guy who strikes me as it doesn't matter where he's playing. His fantasy game's going to be the same. He's among the best rebounders in the league. 
it doesn't matter where he's playing. It doesn't matter who he's up against. He will always be among the best rebounders on the floor. He's also one of the best shot blockers on the floor. That will not change. He's one of the most efficient shooters. That will not change, especially in this particular offense where Trey Young is capable of doing a lot of James Harden-y things, including lobs. You've already seen the rapport that he has with Collins in that respect. So yeah, Clint Capella, there's no reason for me to believe that he's going to be anything different than what we've seen out of him this year. He just needs to get healthy, dealing with that heel issue. The guy that obviously deserves the most attention is John Collins, who's been playing at a second-round pace for the majority of the season. He's really flashed an all-around game in his third year. Um, he, he's you know averaging close to 20 points a game, 10 rebounds a game. He's hitting uh, over near a three-and-a-half a game. His uh, defensive stats are all ba- are, are backed up after they were down last year. And look, there's going to be some, there's definitely going to be things that are going to change with him and how he plays in this offense. First of all, he's not going to be down in the paint as often as he was previously. He's going to give up rebounds to Capella. And, 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 and it makes sense for him to be more of a perimeter player now. I mean, obviously Atlanta's been encouraged by his uh, newfound perimeter game. It's not like they're going to turn him into like Blake Griffin or something like that, but they're going to ask him to be on the perimeter more often. I mean, you think about how Trey Young operates in the in the in the Hawks' offense. He needs a clear lane to either dish out a pass to the perimeter or to hit one of his floaters. He's one of the best uh, floaters. He has one of the best floaters in the NBA. You can't have Collins and Capella skulking around in the paint at the same time all the time. So it's good. I think that this really is going to change a lot of John Collins in how he plays in the starting lineup. I don't think that that's going to change. I don't, I don't think he's going to lose all of his fantasy value, though. I don't even think he's going to be much less than like a third-round player. Because, like I said, the defensive stats are there, and I don't see them going anywhere else. Like They're, they're here. They're, they're back. He's still a guy who should see anywhere from eight to nine rebounds a game. He's obviously not getting to ten. The three-pointers are still there for him, and if, you know, by any indication in this offense, those should go up a little bit because he could be shooting more that might lead to lower field goal. It probably will lead to lower field goal percentage because he won't be able to, you know, just exist in the paint as frequently as he does. But he's such a fundamental piece of this team. The Collins young pick and roll is still the most effective weapon this team has. And it probably will remain the case even with Capella around. I'm not freaking out if I have John Collins. I'm not trying to ship him out. I think you should hold on. Because if you try and trade him right now, people are going to lowball you because they're kind of afraid of the things that you're afraid of, that he's about to just fall off the map. And I, I really don't believe he will. And I guess we should talk about Dwayne Dedman, too, who was a fantastic fantasy player when he was the starter in Atlanta last year. But you know, obviously, he's not going to be doing that in the second t- his second time round here. He is going to play, though. Uh, they didn't trade him to not play him. It's kind of weird that they traded for him because the whole... <laughs> the whole basis for not re-signing him in the offseason was because they didn't want to pay him. Like they, the, the Hawks were committed to not paying him more than $10 million. And of course, he saw more than that. He got a three-year, $41 million deal uh, from the Sacramento Kings, who also decided that they didn't want to pay that <laughs> moving forward. So they, uh, they said, "My, our bad. We, never mind. We don't want him. And sent him back. I can't really figure out why Atlanta did what they did here. I mean, Deadman's a fantastic fit. I know that. Saw plenty of that last year. He, he's a guy who could space the floor and still defend the paint. But, you know, in terms of fantasy, 
it's hard for me to see how he could get more than 18 minutes a game. Capella probably figures to see at least 32. Maybe the Hawks, you know, maybe there might be a stretch here because we, we don't know how Capella's heel injury is going to be handled by Atlanta. I imagine they're going to be very cautious with him since they just acquired him. Because yeah, uh, he'd been playing hurt in Houston for a while towards the end there. So maybe Devin gets in for a little bit once the trade's complete and he starts for a week or two. He'd definitely be worth streaming in that sort of situation. But in general, um, it's probably not hopping onto the fantasy radar. But he, he deserves to be on watch list because he is going to be back out there and he has one of the most fan, fantasy, <laughs> fantasy-friendly games for, for big men in, in fantasy hoops. He's just, he can do all the cash counter things. And he will probably get a, a handful of them here and there if he's getting close to 20 minutes a game. So watch list them. <laughs> Good to have you back, Dwayne. I, 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 I've missed you sorely. I've watched enough Alex Lynn three-point bricks and would much rather see you stroking those from beyond the arc. So that's nice. Feeling pretty good about that. <laughs> I wrote down for my trade deadline wish for the Hawks. They've pretty much given me all of them already. I guess now it'd be to go give Joe Johnson a tryout <laughs> while, while we're in the spirit of bringing back uh, former Atlanta Hawks players. We already brought Jeff Teague back a few weeks ago. And now Denman's here. Joe Johnson's still looking for that contract, guys. Bring him out. Have him do, do some ISO Joe stuff here and there. That'd be fun. It's not like it's not like this team's averse to bringing on veteran leadership. I already got Vince playing 18 minutes a night. He's essentially this team's backup power forward, especially with Jabari Parker gone for good. That position is going to be primarily filled by Vince and uh, DeAndre Hunter, I have to imagine, and obviously John Collins. Fun times for one of the one of the league's worst teams. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't be left alone on podcasts talking about the Atlanta Hawks. I could go. I'm going to go way too long on this. I already have. What am I talking about? Moving on, let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves, who again also hard to do much analysis on this one because they're 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 in such they're they're, they're in flux right now. They probably have a, and I'm positive that there's another trade for them to make here because they don't have any point guards on the roster. We'll start with Carl Anthony Towns in 38 minutes. He scored 21 points, 11 rebounds, had an assist, two steals and a block with four turnovers and two three-pointers. Andrew Wiggins, who uh, very much on the wire, the, the trade rumor mill right now, he, he's being shopped around. <clears throat> Andrew Wiggins scored nine of 20 from the floor. Had three three-pointers, 25 points, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block shot. Josh Okogie got it going. He scored 23 points in the starting lineup on 8 of 11 shooting and had three steals in the block, which you like. Um, I'll have more thoughts on him in a second. Jarrett Culver essentially started at point guard, or maybe I guess positionally he did. Andrew Wiggins is, uh, operated as the main point guard in the starting lineup. And Culver didn't do all that much. Seven points, three assists, a steal, and a block, and a rebound. Another interesting guy to monitor moving forward. Uh, Kellen Martin got the start in place of the recently traded Robert Covington at power forward, but he didn't do much either. Nine points, four rebounds, and two steals, and a block shot. Let's move on to the bench, because there's there are some names ta- worth talking about here. The only real point guard on the roster is two-way point guard. Um, I don't have his first name here. Jordan McLaughlin. <laughs> McLaughlin, 
31 minutes off the bench, 7 of 15 shooting from the floor, 15 points, 7 assists, 3 steals, and a rebound. He is not going to be this team's only point guard. I'm sure of it. Um, but he could very well become the backup point guard. Alan Crabb saw 13 minutes, didn't do anything with him. I don't even know why I brought him up. Nas Reed, uh, uh, one of my – the undrafted rookie who I've been pretty fond of and just keep close tabs on for the silly season stuff. He got some power forward playing time. I think he actually started at power forward to start the second half in this game. He scored 10 points, two boards, and had two block shots and two three-pointers. He's got a really fun stat set. And he's a guy that I'm keeping my eye on when, I, when we're waiting to see how the Timberwolves fix their roster before the deadline tomorrow. There's a world where he could actually it's, – it's not impossible for him to find playing time if they were willing to play him at power forward. I don't think he's – I think he's a guy who could – Flirt with some fantasy value if you get him into like the low 20s. But that's a conversation that we'll get to later. My trade deadline wish for this team is to find, no matter how the deadline goes, no matter what players I cycle in or out, I want them to leave enough room for my guy Malik Beasley to play a 30-minute role. That's my wish. Malik Beasley, um, he's very talented. He's a very talented guard. I, he, He's... He was buried in Denver's depth for, for good reason. They have a lot of different players that they can throw out there. They don't they didn't need him. But just take a look at what he did when he does get 30 minutes. Uh, last year in particular, during the month of February, he start he played 30 he averaged 30 minutes a game and was oh, what what happened to my notes? On old on old Beasley. There he is. He was Denver 76 and 9 cat during that one month span. Um in that in that time, he played. It, he averaged 16 and a half points per game, nearly three three pointers, close to uh, 0.7 steals, a pretty nice field goal percentage at 53% from the floor, 93% from the line, and less than a turnover a game. The steals are something that's actually he's pretty decent at, and those would probably come up if he were to see 30 minutes consistently. Probably doesn't score as much. But Beasley is definitely a guy who could become a, a rest of season value if the minutes are there for him. And it's quite possible that they are. In a way, he's sort of the centerpiece for the Covington deal, aside from the draft picks that, uh, that Minnesota got. I really think that there's a chance that he could see minutes there because he, he can do a little bit of ball handling, too. He's not much of a playmaker, but there's a world that he could see that playing time. So my hope is that whatever trades that Minnesota goes forward with, they leave some room for my guy Malik. And we have a trade breaking right now, actually. And please bear with me. I need a sip of water <laughs> before I tell you. Oh, boy. Let's see here. The Golden State Warriors are trading both Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson to Philadelphia, reported by Shams Charania of The Athletic. That's the only details that have been released so far. So we'll circle back there when more are available. But Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson going to Philadelphia, that's interesting. That's a team who really, really needed some help on that bench. A lot of turmoil. All right, but we still got four games to talk about here, so let's see, if, let's see what we can do. Our next game is Cleveland Cavaliers and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma City winning this one 109-103. to We'll start with the Cleveland side of things. Colin Sexton continues to be on an absolute tear. He has been a top 50 player 
in nine category leagues over his last month. And it's, it's, it looks really real. Number 48 to be specific. He's averaging 23 points a game. And that's exactly how much he scored tonight. 23 points on nine of 18 shooting three rebounds, two assists, no defensive stats four three pointers. What's incredible about this run for him is that the defensive stats really haven't been there at all. He's only averaging one steal a game. That's about it. And the rebounds and threes haven't really been there at all either. He's still pretty much the same player he's always been. He's just shooting lights out of his <laughs> out of his freaking mind. He's it's 48% on 18 shots a game. A lot of them are perimeter shots. He's averaging two threes a game, 23 points, as I mentioned. And he's hitting 92% of his free throws. He went one of two tonight. That's an off night. A lot of questions on whether or not this is for real and... I mean, you know for certain that he's turned some type of a corner. I don't think he's a top 50 player, but he's certainly not a guy who's outside the top 170 like he's been all year. So he, that's a, yeah, I don't know what you really do with him. I think that he's in, a, he's in a sell-high window, but I'm honestly not willing to give him up while he's doing this. Call me selfish. Kevin Love is another guy who's been playing well recently. Uh, I think uh, unlike Andre Drummond, who's checked out, Kevin Love has been trying to check back in in this last stretch of games to try and get himself moved. I mean, he's had it's been a PR disaster for Kevin Love ever since the trade desires of his became public and all the infighting. Teams are very much not interested in his services. But Love, he he he, does, he is still a good fantasy player when he does when he is locked and loaded. Twenty points, eight of seventeen shooting, three three pointers. Seven rebounds, five assists, and a steal. John Henson got the start tonight for Tristan Thompson, who was out with a quad issue, and he had a really good game. Ten points, 11 rebounds, two blocks, and a steal with two assists and a three-pointer. Darius Garland continues. He had one of his better games because he didn't murder your field goal percentages or turn the ball over to death. Twelve points on five of 11 shooting, two three-pointers, six assists, two rebounds, and two turnovers. He's been pretty much unusable, aside from what was a nice six-game stretch where he got into the top 90. He's been, a top, he's been outside the top 200 for a while now. He's a guy I just can't trust. I know the assists are there. He looks better in real life, but there's too many warts. I can't do it, and I won't. Another guy that a lot of people, a lot of, I've gotten a lot of questions about on Twitter is about Kevin Porter Jr., who he, another very talented rookie. He's looked pretty decent since returning from, a, I think it was a knee injury. Maybe it was an ankle. He, in 31 minutes off the bench, shot 5'11 from the floor, 13 points, four rebounds, and three assists. No defensive stats and a three-pointer. The stats look good at a glance, but he's actually been outside the top 150 over his last, what is it now, six games? Oh, sorry, no. I was looking at the wrong guy. He's outside the top 200 in his last six games. That includes tonight's line. And the, you can really just chalk that up to the fact that he's turning the ball over a lot, over three a game, which he had th- exactly three of in this one. He's, uh, you know, the, the free throw percentage is not that great either. He, he takes three a game and he's only making two of those on average. And, you know, the blocks, he, he's just not doing much else in terms of rebounds or assists either. He's mostly just a scorer. I've compared him a lot in the past to uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., but that's not too much of a fair comparison because Porter Jr. actually does have the advantage of being able to be more consistent with his shot. 
He just doesn't provide a whole lot else. So he's not my favorite ad. There's definitely potential, but I don't think he realizes it this season. And of course, the other guy worth mentioning on this team is Larry Nance Jr., who continues to see about 30 minutes a game. He continues to be one of the guys that you really, really hope a trade happens in front of him for because he has top 70 potential in that sort of scenario. I mean, he's playing at that at that pace right now. In this ball game, he double-doubled 14 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists to steal, and two three-pointers. That's juicy nine-category stuff right there. And yeah, you really hope for a trade on that front, which leads me into my trade deadline wish. It's not to have Kevin Love moved because I think that's dead and unrealistic. I don't think that's going to happen. I do think that Tristan Thompson could get moved, though. I, I think there's a team out there that could talk themselves into Tristan Thompson because he's looked better this year. Um, he's very much a uh, – he, he's like a Clint Capella light in what he's able to do for your team, one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA. He could help a team like the Celtics. He, he could help a team like Houston if they were able to figure out a way to get him there. There's a rumor that uh, that Washington was interested in Tristan Thompson, which seems super weird at first. But then we saw a report today that Thomas Bryant re-aggravated the stress reaction in his foot, which is a horrible sign. Probably explains why that rumor popped up. Uh, it seems like they knew before, well before we did. Uh, I'm not going to get into the Wizards. There's no time. <laughs> There's no time. But yeah, Tristan Thompson, I think, is a realistic trade candidate. I think that he could get moved tomorrow, and that opens the door for Larry Nance to continue this top 70 pace for the rest of the, uh, for the foreseeable future. I'm going to take a break real quick because uh, it looks like there's more news on this trade that came in. Seems like a ton of picks the Sixers are sending out to Golden State. I'm trying to find another player that's involved here. I'm sorry that this is happening in real time. It looks like the Golden State's just getting picks. Doesn't look like there's any other notable players involved in the swap, which makes sense because Philadelphia doesn't have a whole lot to offer in that department. Yep. I think that's about it. That's not a bad move at all by uh, by the Sixers. Really shoring up that the, the shoring up a much needed uh, some wing some help at the wings for that team. The team I'm about to talk about next really could have used a trade like this, and they, they absolutely had the draft capital to make it happen. But that would only be in the situation that they were buying and not selling. And that, of course, is the Oklahoma City Thunder who won this game. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, and there's still no news on this front as of this recording, but they are rumored to be a part, they're being reported to be a part of the three team deal that's getting Andre Iguodala to Miami and Justice Winslow to Memphis. Their part in the deal is bringing Danilo Gallinari to Miami, who is all in on a championship run this year by what it seems like. We'll start with Gallinari, who actually played in this one. 15 points on 5 of 11 shooting, 5 rebounds, an assist in a steal in 31 minutes. Um, it's hard to speculate the kind of role that he would have in Miami. He'd obviously be the starting power forward, probably bump Myers Leonard out of that spot. You know, <laughs> it's funny. I've always I've been tearing Miami to shreds over the last few years because I can't stand Eric Spolstra's uh, forward rotations. But it'd be, I, I can't imagine that Gallinari would be subjected to the roller coaster that that is. He's probably going to get the same amount of minutes, probably a similar role. 
it's hard to say though, because I don't really know all the moving parts in that deal. There's very little reporting out on it right now, but it seems like he's a goner. It'll be interesting to see what Oklahoma City is getting back because by all indications, they're a team that's trying to go for the playoffs. I, I think they like what they're doing this year. The fans are definitely into it. Elsewhere on the roster, Chris Paul, 30 minutes, 12 points, seven assists, three rebounds, and a steal in one three-pointer. Shea Gilgis-Alexander had 23 points with 10 boards, three assists, two steals, and two blocks, and two threes. Man, he, it, he has been so, so fun to watch. I'm kicking myself that I wasn't able to get a hold of him in, in fantasy this year. I owned him last year where he was able to show small glimpses of the cash counting potential and like the, and just, oh man, what an exciting young player. One of my favorites. Um, Steven Adams, who has been in plenty of trade rumors, but that seemed to have died down recently. He only scored six points, grabbed eight rebounds with three assists and two of five shooting. The bigs got sort of pushed around by Cleveland in this game. It's surprising. Um, we'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, Lou Dort who has been in the starting lineup for Terrence Ferguson over the last seven games. He was like on a, on a radar of mine in a very deep league because I was in need of three-point shooting. He, he has some like very fringy 3 and D stuff going on, but nothing that you should be concerned with. He had a really pedestrian ball game, four points, two rebounds, and a steal on two of seven shooting in 17 minutes. Dennis Schroeder. 33 minutes off the bench, 10 of 17 on the floor, 30 points, five rebounds, six assists, a steal on the block. He's been really coming on lately. I've seen some, some rumors out there that have his name being floated around, but nothing substantial. Honestly, he'd be a piece that'd make sense for Oklahoma City to trade if they're, they're just shipping off guys. And uh, then my guy, Nerlens Noel, 18 minutes off the bench, six points, three rebounds, an assist, and a block shot. So... My, my trade deadline wish for the Thunder, and it's looking a little murky right now given the new – I well, we'll see here. My hope was – I've given up that Steven Adams was going to get traded. And instead – and, you know, the reason in fantasy we all want Adams to get traded is because that will unlock Nerland's Noel. You give that guy starting minutes and he can flirt with early round potential, especially since he's saved his free throw percent this, uh, his free throw percent this year. He's been fantastic shooting the free throws uh, at the line. But I'm going to go the other way here. I, I, I would hope that they trade Nerland's Noel somewhere else. Go plug him in as a starter elsewhere. It seems crazy, and it kind of is. I don't think it's realistic. There's a reason you don't hear anything about this. But it's not impossible. I think teams have been very encouraged. Like Real-life NBA teams have been encouraged by the steps that he's taken in form of his maturity and uh, just the way he's improved his all-around game. He's, he's a dynamic shot blocker. I think that people around the league thinks that he deserves a sh uh, another chance at starting. I was sort of holding out hope that the Hawks would find a way to pry him away, but you know, I'm not going to complain with Clint Capella. But yeah, I mean, Noel is is affordable. He, it's an interesting caveat to his contract. He has to approve any trade that he would be involved in. I guess it was Oklahoma got him for very very cheap, so they threw that in as a little sweetener to the deal. He gets veto power. But you know, I can't imagine that he would veto a, a situation that would put, make him a starter somewhere, give him a chance to show his stuff, prove that he deserves more money. And he'd be all for that. can't imagine why he would ever veto a deal, frankly. Um, 
you know, it's, it's just with all these teams that are interested in the center market, all these guys that are very, very hard to, you know, they're too expensive. Like your Drummonds, they're too expensive. Nerlens Noel is not. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's not like Oklahoma City needs any more draft compensation, which is probably something that you'd get back in return for them. They do need wings. They need wings bad. They might be getting some from Miami or Memphis uh, with the with this reported deal. But yeah, Nerlens Noel trade. I'm going. You all zig, I zag. That's what I wish for. That'd be awesome. Okay. The solo show is killing me, you guys. I love it, though. Uh, it, this is such a fun time of the year. We have three more games, and I'm going to try and get through them as quick as I can without missing anything important. Memphis in Dallas is our next one. The Grizzlies win this one, 121-107, to 107, also involved in trade rumors. Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill were scratched from this game, presumably, or almost assuredly. I think it's actually just reported as such that they're involved in the Miami-Oklahoma City trade. We just don't know where they're going. This trade's really exciting on the Memphis side, and I'll get to that in a second. We'll start with John Morant, 21 points on 10 of 12 shooting, one rebound, three assists, two turnovers, and a three-pointer in 31 minutes. Dylan Brooks scored 13 points on five of 14 shooting, six rebounds, two assists, two steals. He's, he's really come around in a way that I didn't think that he, he could have. He's, he's been really great uh, lately. Jonas Valanciunas, uh, I believe he had, was dealing with a knee issue and was questionable, but he sued up for this game and scored eight points, grabbed 10 rebounds, and did nothing else. But, I mean, you know, he didn't hurt you anywhere. He's three of six from the floor and two of two from the line, so it's not the worst game possible, but you would have liked to see maybe a defensive stat or two. Jaron Jackson stayed out of foul trouble, and he played well. 19 points, six rebounds, three assists, a steal, two blocks, and four three-pointers. Um, yeah, this you know this drill when it comes to him, just – no fouls, and he's off to the races. And then Kyle Anderson got the start for Jake Crowder, 26 minutes, six points, five rebounds, six assists, and a steal, two of five shooting from the floor. He's always had a very interesting fantasy game for the rebounding and assist stuff that he can do, as well as the steals. And depending on how this trade shakes out, there could be a role for him that could be fantasy useful, but he's not the guy that I am most interested in. If you guys know me at all, I know if you're listening, you follow me on Twitter, you know that I've just shouted this guy's name from the rooftops to death. DeAnthony freaking Melton. <laughs> so uh, I think his most, the, this might be the most minutes he's seen all season. He played 28 minutes off the bench, 10 points, nine rebounds, five assists, a steal and a block, three of 11 shooting from the floor, four of six from the line. Guys, this Crowder trade could be big for Melton. It, it really could. This, uh, this opens up an avenue for Melton to play some shooting guard minutes next to Morant and Dylan Brooks. That's the big key here. It's not that Kyle Anderson steps into the starting lineup, even though that is something that could help him. But it is all about Melton. If, if the trade holds that Memphis pulled off and Winslow is the only guy that's coming back, first of all, I'm not convinced that Justice Winslow – is, is going to be able to play anytime soon. There, there's a reason Miami just shipped him off like this for, for a 36-year-old Andre Iguodala who hasn't played in almost a year now. Like, it's just, that's nothing. Winslow, they, they've always been high on Winslow. This is a bad, they, they, they got, that's not the return that you're looking for. I, I mean, yeah, Iguodala's got the championship experience and he's the guy you probably want on your team if you're making a run there. 
But come on, there's something wrong with Winslow. This back issue is bad. It's not, I mean, we already know it's bad. He's missed basically the whole season with it, and he's missed a ton of time throughout his whole career with separate injuries. I am not convinced that he's going to be ready to play right out the shoot. And if he doesn't, the Anthony Melton is going to have runway to mid to high 20 minutes consistently. This is a guy who could be who could change your lineup in terms of defensive stat output, rebounds, and assists. He can hit threes. His percentages are usually way better than this. He is a fantasy stud. I'm very fortunate to have, you know, because he came back from that hand injury and he looked really rough. If it weren't for the Super Bowl sort of distracting me, I would have dropped him on Sunday. But he was still on my team when I got to Monday. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to waste an ad right now to just get rid of him. I guess I'm just going to ride with him until the trade deadline passes. And this is it, guys. It, I, 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 ads are very important this week. I really don't want to advocate you guys running to the wire. But when I see this final Memphis Grizzlies trade, and if Winslow is the only piece that's coming back, I am grabbing DeAnthony Melton. He is worth the ad. I mean, he's just been – I know Memphis loves him. This team keeps trying to find ways to play him. Before that hand injury, he was consistently – his minutes were trending up. He was getting to mid-20s a, a night, which was enough to get him a fantasy value. Take a look at his per 36s on the season. He's been a seventh-round kind of player. I'm all about it. Well, obviously, we'll await the news on that front. And I don't even need to get into what my trade wish is because my trade wish is exactly everything that I just talked about. Don't screw up DeAnthony Melton's path to Memphis, please. This is great. 28 minutes is great. Let's just keep it right there. Be awesome. All right. Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. Um, Christos Porzingis is the man right now, and he went off. He broke his nose, but he was able to come back from that. Scored 32 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals at the block shot, 5 three-pointers, 10 of 20 shooting from the floor, and 7 of 7 from the, uh, the free throw line. One of his best games of the season. Very encouraging stuff out of him there. Jalen Brunson continues to fill in for the injured Luka Doncic. He scored 20 points with 6 assists and 2 rebounds on uh, with three three-pointers on six of 14 shooting. He's a guy who should who is worth owning as long as Doncic is out. He has top 75 uh, to 80 potential when he's a starter. The, the, I mean, he, he of all the players who can just sort of squeeze those Luka Doncic play sets, fill into them, Brunson's the guy. Ugh, God. <laughs> that was so poorly worded, but I think you guys understand what I was trying to say there. Maxi Kleber, Kleber, <laughs> and he, he started and saw 32 minutes, 10 points, six rebounds, an assist, and no defensive stats with two three-pointers. You usually see defensive stats out of him. He continues to be the, you know, he, he continues to be getting uh, favoritism over Willie Colley-Stein. And it's worth noting that, you know, we, we, the assumption here is that Willie Colley-Stein was going to be the starter for when Dallas goes up against big teams. Well, Memphis is a big team. <laughs> Jonas Valanciunas is a big dude. Billy Colley-Stein only played 12 minutes. Four points, three rebounds, two blocks. He's – Cleaver is still the guy that I'm owning between those two. Even though I do like Colley-Stein's block rates this year, those seem to be holding up pretty well. But I don't think that there's consistency that we can hold on to in that respect. Speaking of consistency that we cannot expect, DeLon Wright 
probably among the most frustrating players in fantasy this season. He had a stretch where he was playing close to 30 minutes a night uh, in, right after the Powell, the Dwight Powell injury. And he, you know, which is where if you, he's playing that amount of time, you expect him to be a very good fantasy player. And he just wasn't, he, he was, he struggled with the playing time. The defensive stats weren't there. He's now, he only played 21 minutes in this game, seven points, four rebounds and three assists in a turnover. That's a, uh, that's just not going to get it done. I'm, I'm done with him. I've moved off. No more DeLon Wright. I, I have nothing really. I don't really want anything to do with him. You just can't trust him. As far as my trade, uh, my trade wish list goes, there's nothing on this team that I'm really interested in. They've already – Dallas has just been an incredibly frustrating fantasy team all year, and I can't really think of anything that I'd want them to do to make them less frustrating. Quick little tidbit on the Sixers-Warriors trade. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that they are working to create additional trades to fill up the roster spots to uh, add Burks and Robinson. Those, uh, yeah, um, they will have to waive players if they're not able to find a deal before the deadline tomorrow. So a little tidbit to add to that one. Moving on to our final two games, we'll start with the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. This was a really weird one. Denver, uh, uh, again, one of the four teams involved in yesterday's trade, only had seven active players, and they won 98 to 95. They beat the Utah Jazz in Utah with seven players. Talk about impressive. And it's not just because of the trades either, having just all these guys who aren't ready to go. They're, they're dealing with a lot of injuries too. Jeremy Grant was out uh, this game with an ankle injury, and I believe Will Barton was out with a knee injury, which is a huge hit. And Michael Porter Jr., the guy I'm in love with recently, he's out with an ankle injury himself. So three very key guys for Denver of late are out. They they rolled with a starting lineup of Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, Gary Harris, Torrey Craig, and Nikola Jokic. We'll start with Jokic, who had, uh, I believe I saw something, this is one of three times this has happened in the last 20 years. 30 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists, a 30-20-10 triple-double. How about that? Love it. Two steals as well, 14 of 24 shooting from the floor. Monster stuff out of Jokic. He could be a team all on his own. He is so far, the the start to the year is so far behind him. He has been an early-round player, and he has met his ADP. Jamal Murray was able to score 31 points after a prolonged absence with the ankle injury. It's nice to see that his shot's still there. He added four assists, two rebounds, and a block on 12 of 26 shooting, four three-pointers. You can't fault him for, all, for the bad efficiency because who the hell else is going to score on this team? You need someone to take shots. Oh, God. Speaking of taking shots, Gary Harris, five points, eight rebounds, five assists, and a steal. Sounds okay. Zero of 13 from the floor. Good God. He is... So ice cold right now that I've been speculating that he's playing so poorly that when this team is fully healthy, I don't think that he deserves it will play the 30 minutes that he's seeing nightly. I really don't. I don't see any reason if he's if he can't get his shot to fall. I don't see any reason why Denver shouldn't give more minutes to Michael Porter Jr. instead. Play Will Barton, bump him up to the uh, bump him up to the two, have Michael Porter Jr. play the three or the four, frankly. Gary Harris is just doing nothing right now. He's providing some defense, like some real-life defense. That's part of why he's able to continue playing big minutes. But from a fantasy perspective, he is 
so unusable. He should be, he's a drop. He's a drop. Can't hold on to him. O of 13 is inexcusable. You cannot get around that. That's so bad. And really, that's, that's really all it for the, for the Nuggets. I can't, there's nothing really to add to a team that played seven guys. They have some players coming in from yesterday's trade, but I don't think any of them are going to be making much fantasy noise. <laughs> I wrote down for my trade wish list for, <laughs> God, I'm really, Gary Harris is taking a beating in this segment. Uh, I wrote down to trade Gary Harris so Michael Porter Jr. could get more minutes. Uh I'm so petty. That's probably not going to happen, but it'd be, be great. There's not even really – the correlation between the two isn't exactly there either. I just – I don't know. I, I'm a firm believer that Michael Porter Jr. has earned a 25-minute role with the way he's playing. I think that the Nuggets are actually interested in doing that. There's just no way of knowing because they've been so banged up for so long. He's obviously a part of their future. I think he should be a part of their immediate future. And in 25 minutes a game, he's a fantasy asset. I mean, he, he was on a crazy run as like an early round pace or something over his last eight, nine games where he was seeing that amount of time. Scoring, rebounds, defensive stats, threes. You can really do it all. <laughs> Sorry, Gary Harris. I don't hate you. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's move on to Utah here. We have really rough that they lost this game. That's pretty inexcusable. Some nice news for Mike Conley in this, uh, a second really good game in a row for him. 21 points on 6 of 13 shooting, 5 three-pointers, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal. Um, he looks like he's back. He's owned in 83% of Yahoo leagues, but yeah, no, he, he should yeah, – I doubt he's on any wires, but if he is on one, hurry up and go get him because he looks, he looks like he's got his legs back underneath him. Rudy Gobert scored 16 points. Grabbed 14 rebounds with a block shot, 7 of 10 shooting from the floor. Joe Ingles. No, I'll get to Joe Ingles in a second. Donovan Mitchell, 18 points, 8 rebounds, an assist, 4 turnovers and on 8 of 24 shooting. His shots, the shot's kind of rough. It's been, it's abandoned him a little bit of late, but he's fine. The guy who's not fine is Joe Ingles, who's still starting. He played 30 minutes, but he has reverted back to the Joe Ingles at the beginning of the year. He is incapable of playing alongside Mike Conley, two points, one of four shooting, six assists, three rebounds, no threes, three turnovers. Ugh. It was so nice while it lasted, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, he was a top 40 player without Conley, really in a groove. He was hitting threes like crazy. The assists are at least still there for him, but that's it. He is not a guy that you can use right now. He's outside the top 220 since Conley's returned. This is an easy one. My trade deadline wish for Utah, and no, this will never happen. He's too important to their team. But I'd love it if Joe Ingles got traded somewhere. Hell, send him to send him to Minnesota. He could just go be the point guard there. He can't play with Mike Conley. The two just it, it, like the two just cannot coexist with one another. It's it's the darndest thing. There's just you know, Ingles needs to. I get Ingles just needs to be in control. To get into a rhythm because his shots completely abandoned him too. I don't know if that's related or not. Maybe it's coincidental, but he's been shooting under forty percent from the field since Conley returned. It's just he's just a completely different player. It's so strange to the point where I know Conley's there for the long haul, and Utah's obviously not getting rid of Ingles. He's too important. But in terms of fantasy, it would really help him out. So that's my wish. 
and I'm not going to get it. All right. I know some things happened in this last game because I uh, was recording as uh, it was in the it was at halftime. Pretty sure I saw some news about Jimmy Butler leaving and not returning. Uh, let me confirm that for you guys real quick. All right, sorry. Confirm that for me. Dead space in a podcast is a no-no. So I'm just going to keep speaking until I can pull up the information that I need. Yes, Jimmy Butler injured his shoulder and did not return to this ball game. The Miami Heat dropped this one, 111 to 128 to the Clippers. I don't think I mentioned who they were playing here. Butler finished the night with 26 minutes, 11 points, five rebounds, seven assists, no defensive stats, no three-pointers. I obviously can't speak to the severity of the injury, but that's something that you all need to be monitoring closely. Could be a precautionary thing. Maybe it's not. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I say that. Someone knows, but it's not me. Bam Adebayo had a great game. 40 minutes played. He had scored 22 points, grabbed 11 boards, six assists, two steals, and nine of 15 shooting. From the floor, he continues to be the all-star that we all know him to be. Duncan Robinson, uh, in 35 minutes, he shot 3 of 11 from the floor, 3 of 10 from three-point range, 11 points, 5 rebounds, and a steal. Derrick Jones Jr. had himself a huge ball game, 31 minutes off the bench, 25 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block, 10 of 12 shooting from the floor, 3 three-pointers. There's obviously a, 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 a hole, not a significant one, but a hole nonetheless with Myers Leonard out of the starting lineup. Kelly Olynyk got the start for Leonard and only played 22 minutes, 7.7 rebounds, and assist, two three-pointers. And uh, let's see, Kendrick Nunn had an okay ball game, 13 points on 5 of 17 shooting, 6 assists, 3 rebounds, a steal, and a blocked shot. The Heat, obviously, are a complicated team to talk about because of the trade rumors. They just brought in Andre Iguodala. We know that's happening. We know Danilo Gallinari is also potentially happening. And that's going to definitely mess up some of the, the role, the, some of these role players here. Um, it's unclear how it's going to break out, too, because, you know, who knows who's getting traded, too, in this deal? Because Miami's got to send someone out besides Justice Winslow, presumably. You, you figure that Danilo Gallinari is going to come in and do a lot of what Duncan Robinson is doing. He may, that makes me a little concerned. Andre Iguodala coming off the bench probably uh, uh, impacts Goran Dragic more than anyone as a playmaker type. And it's, you know, it's, everything else would just be speculation. It's kind of hard to say anything about it. it what could be interesting, and because I'll, I'll, I'll segue this into my trade deadline wish for the Miami Heat, it, I wrote down for them to trade Kelly Olenek, who we all know has a very capable fantasy, uh, fantasy game, but he's been buried amongst all these different forwards in Miami's rotation. And it's honestly... <laughs> We don't have the details yet, but maybe it's possible that he gets sent out in this deal. Maybe he is one of the returns to Oklahoma City. If he becomes a starter there, he's a guy that you own in standard leagues immediately. Nice percentages, three-pointers, rebounds. He'd be a great guy to own. Um, so that that might be one of the only wishes that I have on here that comes true. It's I, I mean, because you know, we already know that Kelly Olenek was a guy that Miami was shopping if you guys recall in the offseason, they, when they, uh, the first iteration of their Jimmy Butler trade, they had Dallas involved, and they were sending Olenek and Goran Dragic to Dallas as part of a three-team deal, but that fell apart for some reason. 
I guess Dallas thought they were getting something else. But so it's out there. Olenek is on the block. The Miami Heat had no issues trading him once, and they probably don't have any issues trading him again, especially considering that Danilo Gallinari is just a better version of Olenek. So, you know, safe to say. So that's an interesting one. That's what I would wish happened on that front. We'll see how that unfolds when we learn more information either tonight after this posts or tomorrow morning or by 3 p.m. at tomorrow's deadline. Let's move on to our last team, the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, I think Patrick Beverly uh, also left this game and did not return. Yes, he, le- he, in- he tweaked his groin and is not able to return to this game. He finished his night in 22 minutes. Five points, five rebounds, two assists, and a block shot, and one three-pointer. We'll wait for updates on that front. We'll start with the main guys, Paul George, working his way back from injury. 23 points, 10 assists, five rebounds, a steal, and five three-pointers on 7 of 13 shooting. Kawhi Leonard didn't need to do much in this one. 14 points on 13 shots, four three-pointers, seven rebounds, nine assists, two steals, and a block. Um, Do-do elsewhere. Landry Shamit had a big game off the bench. 23 points on... 7 of 15 shooting, 6 three-pointers, 6 assists, and a rebound. He's a guy whose name has been floated in trade rumors, but I've, you know, there have been reports out there. I think Woj reported that the Clippers consider him uh, a guy who's non-negotiable. Yeah, we'll see about that. He's basically the – clip, the clip Shamit is basically what the Lakers have in Kyle Kuzma. He's a young asset on a team with not a lot of them who does have some trade value. And we're pretty – you know – we know that the Clippers are looking to add Marcus Morris. Andre Iguodala's off the board, so that's probably going to intensify that search. I'd be surprised if they're really interested in a guy like Morris, who does have, who would have a decent role to play on this team. I feel like Shamit would be a logical guy that you send out in that scenario. But we'll see. We'll see. Oh, we'll see. Montrez Harrell off the bench. 14 points on 7 of 10 shooting, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, no defensive stats. In 26 minutes. And Davidsa Zubac, uh, he was able to do some stuff in 22 minutes, as he usually does. 12 points, 8 rebounds, a steal, and 3 blocks. If he ever gets more minutes, he's fantastic, but I don't think he's really capable of seeing much more than this on a night-to-night. And that's that's pretty much all I've got for you guys. Really, really long show. I really appreciate it if you stuck with me this long. I'm sure there's a lot of different things that you guys will be listening to tomorrow. So if you took the time to listen to my show tonight, be greatly appreciated. Let me know on Twitter. Say, uh, I don't know, hat. No, that's not a good code word. What's a good code word? Let's just uh, let's make the code word red hat. If you made it all the way, or green hat. There we go, green hat. If you made it all the way to the show, tweet that at me. I'd love to hear you guys. Um, any feedback? Uh, it's really exciting stuff happening here. Make sure to check out Hoopball's trade deadline show. It's a live four-hour show that will be coming on tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. Pacific time, noon Eastern time. I'm going to be on it. Dan Bespris is going to be on it. Aaron Bruski is going to be on it. Uh, Brandon Marcus. A lot of, a lot of Hoopball pros that you might be familiar with. Give us, a, give us a look. It's honestly one of the best ways to stay on top of stuff. You will get fresh Fresh off the press is fantasy analysis from some of the best of the business. And there's just no better way to get an edge above your, on top of your league than to, to tune in. There's links posted all over uh, Twitter, 
and there's definitely links on the Hoopball homepage. So go check that out and uh, follow me on Twitter. Find me at Alan Strokey, A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I. I love answering questions. I love having conversations. You guys make me a better fantasy player. I hope I can make some of you better fantasy players as well. That's your show for tonight. Happy trade deadline, everyone. It's going to be a fun day tomorrow. I love this time of year. I'm sure you all do too. Have a great rest of the deadline and good luck out there. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.